This is Digital Health Today, episode 33. Physicians and hospitals are super influential in the likelihood of consumers to go to a specific website. It was just overwhelming the amount of influence they have versus anything else. When a physician or a hospital recommended a resource to a consumer, 47% were extremely likely to go to that website versus when it was recommended from a friend or family member, only 19% said they were extremely likely to go to that. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, you're sure to find something you'd like. Enjoy your free audiobook and 30-day free trial courtesy of Audible. Sign up today at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 33. Today, we're going to talk about the internet. You know it's being used to enable great things, but with so much information available at our fingertips, the internet can also be a very confusing place when it comes to finding trusted and reliable health-related information. Even simple searches produce millions of results, and just 10 make it onto the first page. What do consumers do when they're researching their own health, and how do we as professionals in the health field help reach those consumers in an effective and clear way? Our guest today has answers to these questions and the results of a nationwide survey that was done in the U.S. in June of this year. My guest is Jen Lannon, also known on Twitter as Health Tech Jen, and she's the Director of Brand Development for .Health, the domain registry for the .Health top-level domain. Jen and I share more than just a similar Twitter handle. Jen is very passionate about entrepreneurship, innovation in healthcare, and diversity in tech. She's also the co-director of Health 2.0 Miami, and she graduated from the University of Maryland. Go Terps! She's going to share some surprising insights into how people and professionals are using the internet and how the brand new .health extension can be used to help consumers connect with meaningful health information. Jen has also put together a very special offer to allow you, as members of our digital health community, to get accelerated access to the .health extension so you can apply it to your own organization and website. I encourage you to listen to the end to find out how that is going to work and visit our show notes at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 33 to make sure you get access. Also, I'm pleased to announce that we have released our own website on the .health extension. With the success of this podcast, we've been able to reach tens of thousands of innovators around the world. And I've been contacted personally by hundreds of people who are trying to get the word out about their business, product, or service. I've also been contacted by people who are seeking to connect with our sponsors and guests or they're seeking solutions to help them address their own health needs. That gave me an idea. I wanted to find a way to help spread the word about these innovators and innovations, and also create a resource where consumers can hear about them. So I worked with Jen and the team at .Health to create a new website that allows companies to create their own profiles and showcase their products and solutions. We just released the first version of today.health. This is essentially a sister site to digitalhealthtoday.com, and we will continue to grow this to help catalog and showcase the innovations that are available around the world and to allow consumers to connect directly with the companies that are working to develop them. So when you're back at your computers or when you can take out your smartphones, go over to today.health, create a profile, and upload your product and service information. We're making this available free of charge, so get in early, upload some information, and let me know what you think. We'll continue to develop this as we get feedback and find the best way to connect consumers with digital health solutions. 
As always, you can get links to everything we discussed on this podcast by visiting the show notes at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 33. And now without further ado, let's tune into the podcast with Jen Lannon of Dot Health. Jen, thanks very much for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Health Tech Dan. Jen, I've shared a little bit about your background with our listeners. Can you fill in some blanks and tell us a little bit about your personal journey that got you to where you are today? Of course. I work for Dot Health, which is the domain extension for the health industry. I have a particular interest in women entrepreneurs and women in health tech. So that's really how I got here. I used to work for an accelerator for women entrepreneurs, specifically in the life sciences and healthcare space. When I met the team that was launching Dot Health, they had a, a ton of background in the kind of domain and internet space, but not as much in the actual healthcare and health world. So that's really how I got involved and ended up moving down to Miami to join their team. I also am pretty active in the women in tech and the health tech communities in Miami locally. So shout out to Miami Tech and our Health 2.0 chapter that we run in Miami where we do meetups every month or two for digital health innovators in the greater Miami area. Excellent. And Jen, what are you working on specifically now at Dot Health? Dot Health is the home for health online. We are launching this year. This summer, July 20th, is our launch date for the health industry. We're positioning Dot Health to be a new industry standard for health information and health brands online. Similar to how when you see a website on a .org, you have this idea that it's a kind of nonprofit organization, or if you see a website on a .gov, it's from a government organization, or .edu is for educational institutions. We're building the same sort of environment around content on .health websites, where consumers will have added level of confidence in the information they're interacting with on sites on dot health when they're looking specifically for health information. Excellent. And we're going to get into some of the details about dot health and how listeners can engage with that new extension and the timelines for when that's going to be available and what the purpose is. I think it's actually kind of ironic that you and I are here talking about technology. We actually met through technology. We were both attending the health 2.0 conference in Barcelona a few months ago and I was looking at my iPhone during one of the breaks, and I happened to see that something that I had tweeted, you had commented on or retweeted, and I saw your Twitter handle, Health Tech Gen. And I thought, oh, that's, that's very similar to my Twitter handle. Let me just go ahead and follow her back. And then uh, a few seconds later, you came over and approached me and said, hi, are you Health Tech Dan? So, yeah, I think it's great when technology, a lot of people say, you know, why do you use Twitter? Is it really any good? Do you really meet people? I've met a lot of connections through Twitter. And actually, thanks to that, we're actually now here talking and there's a lot of great things that all the listeners are going to be able to benefit because we were able to meet at this conference of probably over a thousand people. So thanks for connecting with me. Shout out to Twitter. So Health Tech Jen <laughs> and Health Tech Dan here doing this podcast. So let's go in and talk about how the internet is being used. You've done some research, the research we're going to dive into, and we're going to make some of this information available to the listeners that they can download and access. But before you did this research, what was the latest understanding of how people were using the internet to access health information? We really looked to two different pieces of kind of data or research before we did this large nationwide study that we're about to talk about. Susanna Fox, who is a former CTO of Health and Human Services in the U.S., before she was in that role, she worked for Pew, and she actually did 
a few studies on how consumers interact with health information online when she was there. The, the last one was in 2012. So a lot of what we knew about how consumers interacted with health information online was from this last nationwide study that Pew did back in 2012. We did our own focus group research in the fall of 2016 to dive a little bit deeper, try to figure out how consumers are interacting in today's day and age. And so we found some really interesting information there. But when we tried to weave that into our story and our messaging, you know, they were small focus groups. It was all qualitative. There were no really statistics that came out of that. So um, what we found between the two is that um, looking for health information online, consumers were telling us was confusing. It was hard. It was time consuming. They wished that everything, this is a quote from one of the focus group participants, that they wished that everything they pulled up was true and came from a reputable source. They told us that Things that they saw on .com, for example, were everything from apples to zebras and, again, a direct quote, a giant mess. So we knew that consumers were having a difficult time looking and identifying credible information related to health online. We also knew that Google and search engines were the first step in the search for a lot of consumers when they were looking for health information online. And so a lot of our messaging as well was around how consumers go to search engines first and how to kind of stand out in that process when you're kind of appearing in search results and, and how to make an impact that way. So essentially, we had these two pieces of research. One was a very strong quantitative study, but five years old. And another was our focus group research, which was also strong, but it was a smaller and qualitative study. So that's how we got to, to wanting to do this nationwide quantitative study. I've got some numbers here in the research that I did before our call. So there are about 1.2 billion websites available today, 7.5 billion people in the world. About half of those are internet users, so about 3.7 billion, according to some of the studies that I found. And in terms of, you mentioned Dr. Google, the internet searches, there are 3.5 billion internet searches done every day, 40,000 searches uh, every second. So that's a lot of information that's changing hands. And about yep. how many of those searches do we think are related to health? Any, well, any idea in terms actually, of percentage? We actually know it's one in 20. It's, it's a huge amount. One in 20 of Google searches are related to health. So one in 20 is 175 million searches every day. Uh, that are that's related to health. That's a huge number, and certainly gives some indication about some of the frustration. Because I, I know before this call, I did a few searches myself to to see some of the results that would come back, and I was getting search results that were three and a half million responses around blood pressure cuffs and you know blood pressure management, and the number of results were just astronomical. And then being able to sift through that and find some useful information that's going to help me, it's obviously very difficult for people to do. One of the things that has also changed since the Pew study in 2012 is Google has introduced a number of new features to their algorithms and what appears on their search pages as well. So one of the things that they implemented was these kind of called so-called health cards with uh, Mayo Clinic, where when you type in, for example high blood pressure, you might see a little uh, kind of call out on 
your search screen that gives you information directly from the Mayo Clinic and maybe some other sources. And so that's something that we also researched that's new in, in 2017, kind of how consumers interact with those health cards versus the other organic search results or paid search results. So a lot has changed since five years ago. Yeah, a whole lot has changed. And not to mention the fact that mobile phones are far more ubiquitous than they were in 2012. I mean, they were prevalent then, but now the way that people are accessing the internet and, and the ability to access it on the go has really just continued to accelerate. So you, you had this 2012 research. That's the research that I was referencing as well when I was preparing for this call. I was surprised that actually in that five-year period that there wasn't more uh, really credible research that was available because things have changed so quickly. I think you could do a survey like this every six months and yeah. and track uh, track the change over time. So tell me about the study that you conducted. What was the methodology and uh, who were you asking and what were, what were you trying to find out? We wanted to replicate a lot of what that Pew study asked while kind of redoing some of the questions and updating them for 2017. So we had a stronger emphasis on mobile. We asked people specifically about health apps that they used. So we changed some of the questions to be more towards the 2017 day and age rather than 2012. Um, we did keep it as a nationwide survey. Um, we did it online, which is very much in line with us as, a, as an internet company. So it was a nationwide survey of 1,500 participants, just over 1,500 participants, actually. And it was in the field from June 5th through 9th of 2017. So it's very fresh, and we're really excited to share it. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the things that the study revealed. What are some of the, the key things uh, that you found through the study? One of the things, unsurprisingly, this was a hypothesis of ours, was that consumers define health very broadly. So we asked them what are some of the first terms or characteristics that come to mind when we tell them the word health. And the first three things that they told us were wellness, fitness and exercise, and diet and nutrition. So these are all things that are outside of healthcare. You know, when we talk about healthcare as an industry, as a $3 trillion industry in the U.S., you know, it's really more sickness and disease care and so much less focus on wellness prevention and, and all those sorts of things that we know now are so important to keeping costs down and keeping people healthy. It has to do with so much more than just having them inside the healthcare system. So Unsurprisingly, we found that consumers identify with those kind of wellness, fitness, diet, nutrition as their kind of top things that they identify as health. You know, that, that slide really stood out to me as well. Um, so as I was going through all the information, I thought that is really telling that when you asked about what the definition of health is, that those were the top three responses. People could select up to three different choices in their answer. And wellness was, uh, over half the respondents said wellness was one of the three ways they defined health, followed by fitness and exercise and diet and, and uh, nutrition at about 35% each. And then down from that, the next uh, response, number four, was sickness and disease. And I wonder if the question had been asked around health care, how the results would have been different. I agree, especially as we're the brand behind Dot Health, We obviously have a vested interest in the definition of health versus the definition of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really encouraging to see the industry, you know, so many health systems and, you know, the fact that I'm saying health systems and not healthcare systems, they're really catching on to this idea that it is that entire encompassing definition of not just focusing on healthcare. It's kind of 
too late. Um, so it was really encouraging to see the consumers kind of see it that way as well. Exactly. I will mention something that kind of contradicted that to me was that when we asked people about their health-related activity online, so, um, you know, of, of what they've done in the past 12 months related to health online, we, we found a little bit of the opposite in that 48% of them had researched a specific disease or a medical condition versus the, the highest response for anything kind of wellness-related, wellness or fitness or nutrition-related was that 32% researched diet and exercise plans, but many more of them researched specific diseases, symptoms, medical treatments, or communicated with healthcare providers versus things like researching diet, searching for gyms, and uh, you know communicating with social network and things like that were actually lower down on the list. So I think one of the things that, that we're trying to kind of reconcile ourselves is do consumers have this idea of wellness, fitness, and exercise? But, you know, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, they really are interacting more with health care than they are with health and wellness. That was something interesting that came up. Well, all of us have health, right? I mean, in, whether we're on the sick end of the, the healthcare spectrum or on the very well side, we have health in some degree. So having that as a term that we can all rally around and focus on then it's just a matter of how do we focus on it. And also I'll say that mental health was on your list. Uh, it seems like we're bringing up mental health more and more in relation to the conversation around health and health care and, and, and physical health. Mental health has a lot to do with that. And a good number of people did also say that when they thought of health, they thought of mental health as well, which was good to see. So what else did the study reveal? So we also found that this was really interesting and encouraging for us, again, as an internet company, that the majority of our respondents, when they had a health issue or a concern, they actually turned to research on the internet first when kind of researching that condition or that health-related question. So 57% of them go to the internet first when they have a specific question about their health versus 32% going straight to their doctor or another healthcare professional. So that's Super interesting for us. It makes a lot of sense. Again, a lot of this is kind of intuitive for us in this day and age. But we were, you know, it, it was very interesting to get that hard data point of the vast majority of people do go to the internet first when they have a health related question. Even when they're told not to. I was just speaking with a very good friend of mine from college uh, a few weeks ago, and she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she's very fortunate. She caught it very early, and she's been able to get involved in a clinical study out of Johns Hopkins. She's going through some immunotherapy, and actually she's at the end of that study. She's doing great. But one of the things that she was told when she was diagnosed was to not Google it because when you Google pancreatic cancer, it's going to send you into a panic. And actually that was her response. So even when we're told not to do it or if we know deep down we shouldn't be trusting those results, we still – turn to that and, and who can really resist? It's right there at our fingertips. It's on our phones. It's right with us when we're walking out of the doctor's offices or where we're being treated. So absolutely, that that is a, a natural response. And it's also a response, I think, when it's people that we care about to be able to, to look and see how we can best support them or what they're experiencing. Yeah, we did. We, we asked consumers as well when they're looking for health information online, who they're looking for. And unsurprisingly, the majority of them were looking for themselves about 64% of the time, they're looking for health information for themselves. But also high up there were 14% of the time they look for their spouse or partner, 
10% of the time they look for their children, 6% of the time it's for their parents. So yeah, you're right. It's not just about themselves. It's about their kind of friends and family members as well. How about the gender split? Did you find an interesting split there in terms of whether men or women were looking for more information? Great question. I can't answer that now because we haven't. um, Once the podcast goes live, we'll have the further breakdown on each of these questions by gender. In this data set, I don't have it yet. Okay, so it'll be available. So one thing we should mention now is that the the results will be available for download. Where can people go to download this this research? You can get it on our website, www.get.health slash research. You just give us your email address and we'll send the report straight to your inbox. Excellent. So while we don't have the answer there today for this podcast, go to the website, get.health slash research and download that research after you listen to this podcast. Yeah. And Dan, I'll, I'll go back to one of your, your example about your friend with the pancreatic cancer. One of the other really important key takeaways from our research is that physicians and hospitals are super influential in the likelihood of consumers to go to a specific website related to health information. You know, I was expecting them to have a very key influence, but it's ju- it was just overwhelming the amount of influence they have versus anything else, even versus friends and family members. When a physician or a hospital recommended a resource to a consumer, 47% were extremely likely to go to that website versus when it was recommended from a friend or family member, they were only 19%. Only 19% said they were extremely likely to go to that website. So that's one of the things that also stood out blatantly obvious from these research results is that uh, physicians really hold a lot of power when it comes to influencing consumers and getting them to go to specific sites. We also asked consumers what would make them more likely to visit a certain website. Um, And the number one response that we got was a pamphlet from a doctor or healthcare provider that they send home with you after a visit. That was the most effective way to get a consumer to visit a website of the questions that we asked. So I think that was another really key takeaway from this study. While we also found, interestingly enough, that physicians might not be actually kind of exercising this power as much as they could, we asked our respondents if their doctor or any healthcare professional has ever recommended that they go to an online health resource, uh, an online health resource other than you know uh, their practice's online portal. And only 17% of them told us that their healthcare professional had recommended an online health resource to them. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was very shocking. Um, we did dive deeper on this in terms, of, um, in terms of age ranges. So unsurprisingly, it goes up a lot more when we look at the younger generations. You know, either they're probably either going to younger doctors that are more tech savvy or their doctors are kind of self-selecting. You know, if it's a younger patient, they're, they might be more likely to recommend a tech resource to the patient. So, you know, it's encouraging for the future that this number will probably go up as we get more millennial doctors, more millennial patients. But it was really interesting that, again, only 17% had said that their healthcare professional had recommended an online health resource. I'm looking at that slide right now. So it's 17% that said, yes, their doctor had recommended an online health resource other than their own practices online portal. 7% were unsure. And 76% of the respondents said that the doctor had not recommended any online resource. And I think that's a shocking number. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to really try to find better ways to give the doctor's tools 
that they can then pass that on. I think it was interesting what you said as well about a brochure being the most effective way for a patient to receive that information from their doctor to say, okay, here's the website you need to go to. If that's effective, then that's something that we should be doing. Yeah. And as well, I was not expecting that to be so high. 22% of people said that that was the most effective way to get them to visit a site. 18% said that was the second most effective way. 14% that was said that that was the third most effective way to get them to visit a site. And in all cases, that was higher than something like email. You know, we tend to think of, oh, the best way to get people to do something digitally is to reach them digitally. And, you know, if you send them something by email, they can just click the link and it's going to be, you know, so much more effective at that conversion. Maybe that's not a correct assumption on our part. Very good. And how about some red flags? I saw some information about some of the red flags for websites. And these, this is very relevant as we're trying to make sure that people don't access the wrong information or are not helpful information. What were some of the red flags that people identified? Yeah. And this is actually, you know, when we were doing our focus group research last fall, a lot of these came up in qualitative discussion and we wanted more data on, um, you know, as people are building sites and building apps for consumers, like what should they avoid? You know, what are consumers just turned off by? And because trust is so important in health, what are the things that we just should not be doing and we should be super aware of avoiding? Unsurprisingly, the number one reason that people are turned off from a health-related website is it contains information that's not approved by a reputable third party like the FDA or a physician group. So, you know, we were just talking about all of these kind of peer-reviewed and, and really legitimate online resources. Those are really, in terms of the red flags, it's information that's not approved. And in terms of what's more likely to make people visit a website, it's that it is kind of endorsed by a reputable third party. We'll get right back to the interview, but first I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by audible.com. I know you love audio, so I partnered up with Audible to get you started with a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Audible has audio recordings of over 180,000 books so that you and I can enjoy them when we're on the go. And let me tell you, this isn't a half-stocked catalog of classic literature. This is the latest and greatest collection of books from the leading minds of today. I'm talking about the books that are bestsellers. I'm talking about the books that our guests recommend. For example, you can listen to Sapiens and Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari that Liz Parrish recommended in episode 30. You can listen to Zero to One by Peter Thiel that Michelle Longmire recommended in episode 28. Or maybe you want to tune into The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz that Yuval Moore recommended in episode 27. Just think, with Audible, you don't have to kick yourself anymore for not finding time to read or feel badly because you keep falling asleep when you're trying to read before bed. Maybe that's just me. With Audible, you can listen while you're working out, traveling, cooking, almost anything you do, Audible can do it with you. So don't wait. Check out our guest recommendations and then give Audible a try for free. Sign up today at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash free. Now let's jump back to the conversation. Anything else you want to touch on about the study before I move on to the next topic around the, the, the dot health extension? There's one more thing that I wanted to touch on with the study. Something that was actually pretty surprising to me was the percentage of smartphone users that have health apps on their phone. You know, we kind of knew that this was growing, especially versus the 2012 Pew study. So we asked it again, and it was really surprising to me that 63% of smartphone users that we polled have some sort of health app on their phone. Only 37% of them did not have any health apps. 
something that was also interesting, again, along the, you know, the number one app that they had on their phone was something related to exercise, fitness, pedometer, more wellness related rather than health care. But when we go down to things like blood pressure or blood sugar tracking, medication management, 9% of people said that they had one of those two types of apps on their phone, which is, you know, I think when we think about a lot of us are building digital health apps like these or websites or things to help consumers. And I've always kind of viewed it as a very niche market, but you know, 9%, that's a, that's a pretty high number for something that's, that's niche like that, especially when 35% have some sort of generic exercise, fitness, pedometer tracker, having 9% with a blood pressure or blood sugar tracker or medication management app that's a win for digital health and for us as innovators and, and entrepreneurs. The fact that a lot of these didn't exist, the technology or, or the apps themselves didn't exist, you know, however many years ago. I think we've done a great job at showing consumers the value that they can get out of these apps. And uh, it's really exciting to see that. I see that slide here. It's got 35% of the respondents have some sort of exercise, fitness, heart rate monitor, pedometer. 27% have a health information app, so WebMD, Mayo Clinic, something like that. And then the third highest result was diet or meal tracker at 17%. So, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's a real win. I also wonder if some, sometimes people don't realize that the apps are on their phone because the, like the Apple Health app, right. you can't actually delete. Um, exactly. But I think a lot of people have that and they don't even realize what it's doing and that it's tracking in the background. Let's talk about the Dot Health extension. So how did this extension come to be and what is it intended to do? The extension came to be our founders applied through an organization called ICANN, the uh, Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. We applied for the Dot Health domain extension several years ago when ICANN was opening up a new program to launch new what are called top-level domains. So that's com, that's .org, that's .edu, and .gov, but it's also hundreds of new TLDs, top-level domains, that have launched over the last several years. So you might have seen one notable example is Google, when they moved their parent company name to be Alphabet, they launched that on abc.xyz as their website. So there's a lot of these new kind of domain extensions that have launched over the last few years, and we are the team behind the .health domain extension. There really hasn't been a good option for health-related companies to go to. So I think the .health is a, a good solution for that. Uh, what are you doing to bring .health to the market, and how can listeners find out more about it? .health is launching over the course of 2017 in order to avoid a lot of the kind of issues that have existed with internet domains in the past, we're launching in a phase process to try to give everyone that wants access and that should have access to .health domains, we're trying to give them the access that they should get in the order in which they should get it. So earlier this year, we started a trademark phase of our launch. So legitimate brands that have trademarks on specific names could get their .health domains the next phase of our launch actually is, starts July 20th, and this phase is for the health industry. We're putting all of our time and effort behind getting the word out to the health industry about this period of our launch so that they can grab their .health domains. As a member of the health industry, that's going to build credible, focused, and meaningful content for consumers 
we want them to get their dot health domain to be able to do that on a on a dot health site. So the way that we're doing that is folks that are interested in participating in the industry access phase can apply on our site at get.health. So www.get.health slash apply. And so we ask several questions there to verify that they are a member of the health industry. And then we manually go through the applications and approve or deny based on our definition of what qualifies for a member of the health industry, which is conveniently also on our website. Something that we're also doing is working with organizations that have, uh, you know, members or some sort of base of members of the health industry. We're working with them to give their membership or their readership access to register during our industry access period as well. So this is something that we're doing with the Digital Health Today listeners. Because they're a member of the Digital Health Today community, they'll be able to get their .health domains during our industry access period automatically. So the folks that have signed up on your site as part of your community, they'll automatically get an email for the industry access period. Jen, I really appreciate you making that offer available to our digital health community. So just to explain exactly how this is going to work. If you're listening to this podcast and you're already a member of our community, which simply means that you've signed up for our newsletters and provided us with your email address. If you've already done that before the 20th of July, 2017, you'll receive an email from me on the 20th of July And that email will have a link to the special registration page that's just for our audience. And by using this registration page, you can skip the application process, jump the queue, and very quickly get access to a .health domain during the industry access phase of the launch. If you haven't joined our community before July 20th, or if you're simply listening to this podcast after the 20th of July, you can still benefit from this access. All you need to do is go to the show notes of this episode, which can be found at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 33. And there will be a link directly to the special registration page that allows you to sign up for a .health domain. Did I get that right, Jen? Correct. And that happens on July 20th when we open to the health industry. So that's when members of the health industry will be able to start registering their domain names. Thanks a lot for doing that. I appreciate your support, Jen. Yeah, we're excited. Jen, before I let you go, there's six questions that I'd like to ask every guest. Do you have a few more minutes for me? Uh, Just for you, Health Tech Dan. (laughs) All right, Health Tech Jen. Tell me, what is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? Um, So my aunt once told me, if you don't like something in your life, change it. It's one of my favorite quotes and something that I live by every day. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? Definitely get your .health domain for sure. (laughs) That would be a a great piece of advice, I'd say. Uh, What book do you recommend to our listeners? Along the theme of women in tech, I love Lean In from Sheryl Sandberg. What tech do you use that you wouldn't want to live without? Something besides your smartphone. I actually love uh, Gmail in my web browser. I know a lot of people use Gmail, but I use it in the web browser and I just find it has so much more functionality. And, you know, Google's a search company, so it saves me a lot of time from having to put things in different folders and, and tabs within my email system. If I just use the search functionality within Gmail, I think it's so great and it saves me a bunch of time in my email. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology today, how would you invest it? I think I would invest this in AI. I'm not sure which vendor or how I would do it, but I really think that is going to change healthcare, um, something we're keeping definitely a close eye on. Again, I'm not sure exactly how, but it would definitely be an AI. 
And last thing, we make a contribution to a charity in appreciation of your time on the show. What charity have you selected? And can you tell me a little bit about what they do? So I mentioned that I used to work in the kind of women entrepreneurship space. The company I used to work for is called Springboard Enterprises. They're a 501c3 nonprofit, and they run accelerator programs for women entrepreneurs in high tech and life sciences. So I'd like to send some love back to the Springboard folks that helped me get the start in this industry and are doing a lot of great work for women entrepreneurs in high, in high growth sectors. So thanks for nominating them. That's Springboard Enterprises, very short URL, sb.co. So you can go there and all the listeners can go there to check out what they're doing and make a contribution yourselves. And we will make a contribution in your name, Jen, in appreciation of your time here on the program. Jen, what is a great way to stay in touch with you to follow the things that are happening at get.health and uh, connect with you personally? Well, obviously, on Twitter, I have the second best Twitter handle ever, which is at Health Tech Jen, second only to at Health Tech Dan. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> so you can follow me personally there. We also have a Twitter for dot health. So it's at dot underscore health um, at dot underscore health. You can follow our company updates there. And then obviously, you can sign up for updates from, you know, updates by email from .health as well on get.health um, and just subscribe for our newsletter updates there. We have a lot of great content around health information online. You know, even if you're not necessarily in the market for a domain name, a lot of the research that we do and, and the kind of content that we provide is around just how consumers engage with health online. So we're happy to share that with you guys. Uh, regardless of whether you're interested in .health domain names. Awesome. Jen, thanks a lot for joining me on the program. And thanks a lot for making the registration process available to our listeners here. And wish you a lot of success in the launch on July 20th. And uh, look forward to hearing how .health continues to grow and prosper. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us. And looking forward to supporting the launch of your .health site as well. Well, there you have it. That was Jen Lannon, the Director of Brand Development at Dot Health. Check out all the links to everything we discussed by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 33. Be sure to register with your email address before the 20th of July to get access to that special page. Or if it's after July 20th, you'll be able to find the link to take you directly to the special registration page and skip the queue, skip the application process and get accelerated access to your Dot Health domain. While you're there on the website, take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by clicking on the iTunes link or the Stitcher app on the side of the page. You know I appreciate your reviews as well, so please let me know after you've provided a review so I can give you a shout out on Twitter. And be sure to head over to today.health and create a free profile for your company, product, and service. I welcome your feedback on building that destination to share your innovations with the world. Be sure to tune into our next podcast with Nick Adkins of Pink Socks fame. We also have John Pugh of Accenture coming up to tell us about his journey from music to health innovation and share some of the work he's doing at Accenture's Health Tech Challenge and how you can get involved too. That's all from me for now. Thanks for being a part of the digital health community. Until next time, keep on innovating.